If you love the blue and white like we do, and you like to stay up to date on what's going on around Ripley High School athletics, make sure you subscribe to this podcast and turn on your notifications. Welcome, listeners, to episode 17 of Viking 360, the podcast dedicated to Ripley High sports. I'm Brian Johnson, and I'm joined by co-host Mike Rubin. You're going to hear from The Voice at Ripley High. From Ripley High School Principal Bev Chateau, she'll talk about the new athletic facilities at the school, a school record dating back more than 40 years, and the head coaches of Viking softball and Viking baseball. He has been at the helm of Lady Viking softball for several years, and he has high expectations this spring. Here's Mike Rubin's chat with Coach Ken Swisher. The dean of the Ripley High School coaching staff is also one of the most successful in school history. Our thanks for joining us to Coach Ken Swisher of Lady Viking softball. Thank you, Coach. You're welcome, Mike. Uh, This this is an opportunity, basically, for me to do something in my retirement years, and I enjoy it, so I uh, just want to stick with it. Let's just start with the uh, tough question right off the bat, Coach. Uh, we just watched uh, the Lady Vikings uh, sweep the Mason County teams in two preseason scrimmages, but what's your gut feeling about this group? How, how good could they be? Well, I think, I think we're a little young on knowledge of the game, and that's why we play these games, uh, these, these scrimmage games, give you that insight to who can think the game while it's going on. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm excited about this group, first of all, because we've got some young kids that are playing right up with the juniors and seniors and seem to hold their own and are doing very well. Um, we've got a, a good hitting team, solid. We're going to put some runs up. Uh, defense looked a lot better today than it did yesterday, and we, we think we can be a good defensive team. So, uh, you know, the goal could be, hey, let's end up this state. And you were telling me that this team uh, possesses uh, some power. Yes, uh, it's uh, funny. We hit like four home runs yesterday, and uh, a lot of them were solo shots. So, you know, even with two outs and stuff, we're capable of putting a run up or, or two and, and, and make this, this game interesting. You know, uh, Power comes from off-season work, and some of these kids have put in a lot of off-season work, and I'm, I'm real excited for them and pleased for them because it shows that if you put the time in, good things are going to happen to you. And uh, what are some of the other strengths uh, of, of this ball club, Coach? Well, one of the strengths is cohesiveness. They seem to enjoy what they're doing, and the coaches are enjoying uh, them also, and they, they seem to listen well, and they're going to give us 100%. Uh, yeah, are we going to make mistakes? But they understand that the coaches know we're going to make some mistakes, but we're not going to get down on ourselves. We're going to come back fighting. And you have a, a veteran staff that's assisting you. Tell us uh, about your, your uh, coaching staff and what they bring to the table. Well, I got one of my old buddies, Roscoe Taylor, to, uh, to come back, and uh, he came back with us last year, and uh, he's just very knowledgeable of, of 
the whole aspect of, of, of the field and everything, but particularly with the, the pitchers and the catchers. And uh, just to have somebody that, that's knowledgeable and knows to, how to interact with the students and make them feel comfortable, that, that gives us that aspect. Uh, also, Dana Hager, which uh, he coached uh, us with Chelsea, his daughter, which was all-state pitcher two years in a row and took us to the state tournament. Um, he uh, handles all of our pitching, so and he stayed with us. So we've got continuity there of what we're trying to do and what we're trying to accomplish. Uh, Tim Young, uh, just an excellent teacher, and uh, he more, works more with the outfield. Uh, and basically, he, he's just a, a gentleman and uh, encourages the girls all the time. And uh, we may lose him after this year because his daughter graduates, but it's been a joy having him with us. Um, <clears throat> we have also uh, Dan Walsh. Uh, he's a California transfer. So uh, we uh, got him involved this year because he had done a bunch of coaching out there. And uh, he brings a lot of knowledge, particularly uh, the outfield. He's worked with them harder than anybody has for us and gave him a lot of drills to work on and he just is very encouraging he has a great positive attitude with these these players coach you talked about the state tournament and you won the state championship i believe 2009 yes. uh, was the year and you've been to the state tournament uh, a number of times but what some people may not realize is that Reaching the state tournament in softball and baseball is one of the most difficult things to do in high school sports. And I say that because in football, 16 teams make the state playoffs. In basketball, down at the state tournament in Charleston this week, eight teams in each class will be there. However, in softball, only four teams make it to the state tournament. So that's a pretty special thing uh, to, to advance that far. Well, we've been very fortunate here uh, making it because we've got one of the hardest routes to go uh, through uh, sectionals, regionals, and right on. And, you know, uh, as far as making it to the states, once you make it there, uh, that is a super accomplishment. And uh, but. We don't want to set on that and just be satisfied by making it. We want to try to win it. And, you know, we have to go through the state champs. Uh, one, uh, one state champs, uh, the Hurricane Group, have probably won four out of the last five years, I believe. And, you know, we met them uh, three, two years, actually two years ago. This is, it would be the third year this year. Uh, and they beat us three to nothing. And uh, they get a lot of transfers and stuff like that, but we've been able to compete with, with them and, and not get embarrassed. And anytime you compete with state champs and hold your own, you've got to be awfully proud of, of what, we're, what we're doing and accomplishing. Coach, let's talk uh, just a minute about the early season schedule. You open up uh, at Parkersburg and follow that up uh, with a game against the, your rival uh, in Ravenswood. T tell us about the early part of the schedule. Well, uh, we were going to open with South Charleston, and they, they couldn't get enough practices in, so we are opening up on the road against Parkersburg High School, and they won our, our section last year, uh, beating us in the championship here. And uh, 
they have some excellent players back and also graduated a few excellent ones just like we did. Every year you've got to reload, reorganize who's going to play certain positions and uh, it'll be a real challenge for us up there Friday to come out of there with a win. But it's early in the year and most of these games are practice games. So, you know, we just throw, throw the ball out and, and we'll play and see what happens. And uh, uh, as far as the, the Ravenswood one, uh, yeah, the kids will be pumped up for that. We play immediately the next day. And the uh, cross-county rivals, you know how it is. The parents enjoy it and, again, the kids do too. Uh, they know a lot of, a lot of uh, the same kids that play all the way up through since the Collegeville and the Gilmore kids interact there and uh, they go different ways. But... Uh, yeah, it's a good way, and I'm, I'm just tickled with the weather, too, because last year we had so many rainouts, and this year we're off to a good start with the weather. Coach, thank you so much for spending some time with us, and good luck to you and your Lady Vikings in the, the season of 2019. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. Track season gets underway Friday with the Viking Relays. Odds are that the discus is one record that will not be broken this season. Why? Because it's been around since 1973. That's when Richard Nixon was in the White House. Bad, bad Leroy Brown was a popular tune. And the Viking Mike Scarberry demonstrated his skill in the field event. Three sport athletes are pretty rare now in high school sports, but they were more commonplace in the early 1970s. And one of the three sport athletes at Ripley High was a gentleman by the name of Mike Scarberry, who is with me now uh, on the podcast. And Mike, I know that you played football and basketball and ran track. Uh, but tell me, what was it like in the 70s to play football for Coach Marcus McPhail and the Vikings? Well, first of all, it's a fantastic experience. A couple of the things that come to mind right off the bat. It obviously... Uh, most of the people that are listening to this will know that Marcus was my brother-in-law. Um, I guess for some people that would be a blessing, but it didn't actually turn out that way for me because he was pretty grouchy. But uh, it was uh, it was pretty nice to be able to have somebody that you knew and that you trusted and that you knew. The guy that wanted to win the ball game more than anybody in that stadium was your coach. And uh, uh, Marcus was the head football coach, and I remember Coach Dean and Coach Frazier. Uh, Coach Sher, Coach Hughes, uh, all of those guys were uh, were a team that helped us to get better. Unfortunately for Ripley at that time frame, I probably won't get this right, we were double A one year, triple A one year. No, we were triple A, then double A, then triple A. I don't think they do that anymore. But uh, we held our own against all the double A teams and played pretty well against a few of the triple A teams. But... Uh, I think one year we played against Ravenswood and they won the state championship and we played against Dan Williams and the DuPont Panthers back when DuPont had a team and uh, they played in the state championship if I recall correctly against Parkersburg but in those days all the kids in town uh, if you could get to a, a football field or a vacant lot and, and play ball that's what everybody did there was no social media or iPhones and iPods and all that stuff Xbox we all went to the went to a football field or a, a little baseball field or shooting into the gymnasium through the chained up doors or anything you could get to play some ball. That's what everybody did back in those days. 
And you played basketball for Jim Schur, and we were talking about you had, even though it was not a memorable game, it was a memorable shot that you hit against uh, Sissonville uh, in a in a basketball game. Yes, um, I don't know how many times somebody from back home uh, has reminded me of that. Uh, the game I would rather forget. Uh, Sissonville handed it to us pretty pretty rough, as I recall that evening. But uh, right before halftime, uh, Sissonville was in a full court press, and I played center. At the end of those days, I was about six two or three, and uh, I was trotting to the center court to try to give Rick an option. Rick Armstead was bringing the ball inbounds, uh, an outstanding track and, and football uh, athlete. And um, he just threw me the ball. About the time I got to the foul line, I was kind of turning out to the left, and I just stopped and threw it like a football pass. And lo and behold, it went in. And I don't know how many times over the years somebody said, I was there. As many people said, there must have been 10,000 people in that gym that night because everybody seems to remember that. I'd rather kind of, I like the shot, but like you said, I'd rather forget about the game. <laughs> and, and Mike, uh, we touched on uh, football, we touched on basketball, but the one sport where your record still stands, if you uh, walk around the track at uh, Memorial Stadium, there is a, uh, a board there that lists all of the, the school track records. And the oldest record on that board is owned by none other than yourself. And we were talking about how you became uh, interested in the discus and uh, what it was like to, to run on the track team. The facilities were, uh, were less than outstanding uh, nonetheless at Ripley High at the time. Yes, I've had a, a wonderful time explaining this over the years. Uh, the year before I was a freshman in high school, Ripley High School won the Little Canoa Conference track meet, and we didn't even have a track. And to give you a, an idea of how basic the track team got started, I was a kid living over on 3rd Avenue, uh, Ron Stewart was appointed to be the uh, track coach, and Ripley had never had a track team. I think there might have been a time or two where one of the coaches took an athlete to, to a track meet somewhere, but we didn't actually have a track team. And so um, somebody had found some mining belt, uh, the, one of the boosters or someone, and they sliced that up into about six-inch pieces. And on the bleachers in front of the home side, which is the side closest to the uh, school nowadays, he had every kid in, in three neighborhoods standing there, and Coach Stewart had a tape measure, and he would measure from the concrete up however high a low hurdle is, and he would say, okay, hold it right there, and he would raise one side and lower the other, and he said, now hold real still and hold it just like that. And he went all the way down in front of the bleachers, measuring how far it should be from one hurdle to the other, and that was the first set of hurdles that I know of that anybody at Ripley High School ever ran. Um, so that's how we got started. The track was about a 10-inch wide dirt uh place that had just been worn out from kids running a lap around the football field. As far as the discus goes, uh, Jay Chambers, I believe he was the athlete of the year at Ripley in 1970, and he lived on my street in my neighborhood. And uh, after, uh, I don't know, after school one evening, uh, 
they were out there practicing, and Tim King, who held the Liberty High School record for a period of time, and Jay Chambers were throwing a discus. Jay was just curious, I'm sure, because he was an outstanding baseball player. And I went out there and said, how do you throw that thing? And uh, I asked I asked them both, I said, does the discus come out of the front of your hand or out from your little finger? I got two different answers. Brother, learn this myself. And uh, the first track meet I ever went to was in the ninth grade. And I came in dead last out of Nitro. Two years later, I won the LKC championship. And then the next year, I won it again. And when I was in the 10th grade, I think I came in second or third. I can't remember exactly. So, but thank goodness for uh, Ron Stewart and, and Mike Dean and uh, a couple of my teammates in particular, uh, Steve Sayer, who, uh, who threw the discus with me. Uh, there's an interesting story about that as well. There was no circle to throw the discus out of at our high school. And uh, sometime during that time, there were some pavements uh, that had been installed behind the old bleachers. And um, we didn't have a circle. And underneath of those old bleachers, uh, I was nosing around in there, uh, looking around just mostly out of curiosity to see what was in there. There was an old can of shoe black. I don't know how long it had been in there, but it probably been in there 10 years anyway. And I couldn't get the cap off of it. But I took a piece of string and a nail out of there. But I guess they used that string to straighten out the lines on the baseball field or football field or something. And I measured out four feet and two inches, tied the string around the neck of that bottle. It was one of the regular can that had a raised top on it and a screw cap on it. And I drove the nail down and I drew in a hole in the, in the top of that can and had my thumb over it. And I stretched that string out there, that four feet, two inches, and I went all the way around a circle, leaking that shoe black out onto the pavement. And that's the first circle that we had that we practiced throwing the discus out of. <laughs> and, and still, despite all of this, you had a pretty incredible performance down in a huge uh, track meet, the Gazette Relays. Tell us about that. Thank you. 
And uh, that was, I had never thrown the discus that far before. I'd gotten to, I think, a, a, a meet down at Gallia Academy or somewhere. I threw it 142 feet, and then uh, I threw it 146 there. If I'm not mistaken, that was the fourth best effort in the state. I, I came in third in the Gazette Relays, but that was, the, if you look at all, everybody's performances during the year, there were four guys that had thrown the discus farther than that during that school year, uh, the best I could tell. You know, back in those days, uh, checking records and, and uh, you know, getting on the internet and finding out was, you know, unheard of. So you just did the best you could with newspapers and, and uh, brochures and the, uh, the programs. And so uh, the, the entire uh, year consisted of about eight seven or eight uh, track meets and back in those days there were some, some pretty darn good uh, athletes on that. Rick Armstead uh, was a half miler and, and he did a great job and so did uh, Brent Lockhart uh, you know, awfully good athletes on the baseball team but uh, as the years went by I think that track team got a little stronger and a little stronger but not having any facilities and still winning the Little Canal Conference uh, championship as a team was to me, that's the biggest feat that I that I can recall. And uh, those guys, you know, Frankie Shin and and Brocious and uh, Alan Humphrey, and, uh, Dallas Paul. There were some outstanding track athletes back in those days. And to be able to perform like they did without even having a track, um, I can remember practicing the high jump and landing on the ground. There was. <laughs> After a couple of years, we they went somewhere and found some foam rubber and, and a big uh, bag to put it in, and you could uh, practice high jumping there a little bit. But uh, very little facilities, and we got a few uh, a few tidbits along the way, like a, a high jump standard and, and a crossbar. And the first um, pole vault, the first pole for a pole vault that I ever saw, and never forget, it was orange. It was made out of aluminum, and it was about. Uh, I don't know, the son of a gun must have weighed 30 pounds. And uh, I, don't, I don't think I ever saw anybody use it. But uh, we eventually, after a couple of years, I think they found something that was fiberglass and they used that. Mike, get us caught up now um, on your uh, career and your family. I know you were telling me that you reside in the Mineral Wells area, so uh, you're not too far away, but uh, just bring us up to date on, on Mike Scarberry. Uh, Nicholas, Greg, 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 
Fire South High School last year, and uh, he is now with Pensacola and will be at least until this fall uh, when school starts. Uh, that, I guess the end of that chapter is not done yet, but he's uh, down there living with his uh, sister and brother-in-law and enjoying uh, the weather in Florida. Well, Mike, it was uh, great to watch you uh, growing up. Uh, you were a few years ahead of me in the high school, but I remember your athletic career uh, in all of those sports, and it was uh, it was great to watch you then. It was great to talk to you this evening. Thank you very much. You're certainly welcome, and I wanted to make sure that I take just a second to say on behalf of everybody that's in the Ripley Alumni Association, thank you so much to Mike Rubin for allowing old guys like me to run this and think about their old classmates and have a venue to be able to do that with, and I certainly do appreciate it, and thank you for it. What was it like to interrupt the high school health class taught by legendary football coach Frank Marino? As we hear in this interview with Brian Johnson, only the shadow knows. All right, welcome back inside Viking 360. I'm joined now by one of my mentors, one of my friends, longtime voice of Ripley Viking Sports. That's Rick Shadow Shannon. Shadow, thanks, buddy, for taking the time. Well, thank you, Brian. Thanks for having me. Uh, Shadow, you know, people have heard you on the radio for so many years here at C98 and, and on Viking Sports, and I know because I've been your friend for a long time, but uh, tell everyone where you're from. You're not actually a Jackson County boy, right? You're a, a, a Logan Wildcat. You know, I like to think of myself as both. Yes, I am a Logan Wildcat, born and raised in the southern coal fields, and I uh, also consider myself uh, an adopted son of Jackson County. When, when you... Think back of your time here, and you think back. And if correct me if I'm wrong, but I think your first season of Viking football was 1989. Is that correct? It was actually the 1988 season okay. uh, when I came here. I came here in December of '87, uh, right after Christmas, uh, right before Christmas, and um, yeah, we kicked off football of '88. My first, my first year. Yeah, because there was a certain interview of myself as a 14-year-old and you as the newly minted voice of the, the Ripley Vikings that, that made its way on air, uh, something that you and I have had a good laugh about. But, Shadow, when you think back of all the times uh, that you've had here at Ripley High School, all the teams, all the players, all the coaches, all the interactions with Coach Marino, with Coach Harmon, um, all of the great characters at Ripley, uh, how fondly do you look back at those times? Oh, very fun. And, you know, a lot of memories you just brought up, a, a lot of memories for me, Brian, over the years, uh, the cast of characters, uh, endless, a lot of exciting times. As a matter of fact, I saw something Ruben posted um, on Facebook the other day about uh, when the Vikings won the 97 baseball championship, the excitement. Had a little video with that uh, that came with that. Uh, a lot of excitement, whether it's football or baseball or basketball, over the 30-plus uh, years, and um, a lot of memories. A lot of memories. When you look uh, at getting started in that game, and I look at, uh, you know, I look at you, I look at John Rice, I look at Fred Persinger, I look at Tony Caridi, who's helped me some, I look at Tom Leach, who's the voice of the Wildcats, Kentucky Wildcats. All of you guys have been a part of what I do. Uh, who, when you look back at you getting started in the uh, sports broadcasting, who's somebody that you really drew from? 
Probably a gentleman by the name of, uh, well, actually, there were two of them. We had two radio stations in Logan, and the guy that hired me, one of them, his name was Denny Frost. And I'll never forget, um, I was a night guy, hadn't been there very long. He came to me one night and said, guess what? Me and you are doing a football game tonight. <laughs> that was my first taste of football. I had no clue what I was doing. Um, and it showed in that broadcast. I don't know if there's any tapes of that or not, but uh, that was my first taste of it. And a gentleman by the name of Speedy Bevins, longtime uh, uh, um, general manager for WVOW and Logan. Of course, he's done a lot of work uh, with uh, Metro News. Uh, he's done the state championships when it comes to uh, basketball. And uh, Speedy was a big mentor toward me, for me. When you uh, think of some of your times with Coach Marino, uh, you know, you and I know when you when you're interviewing the coaches, you get to spend a lot of time with them, even before and after the interviews. What are some some moments that really stand out to you about Coach? I know you you could probably write a book on it, but if you had to pick one or two, what would be a couple of things? Well, a couple of things that stick out in my mind. Coach Marino, I can remember, I always did the interview during class time. The kids loved to see me come because that was back in the days you could go in the schools and I'd take my little tape recorder and uh, they, were, they were always happy to see me because I'd come in, we'd do the interview in front of the class, uh, which took up basically the entire class period. And I would have to come back and interview, uh, ed- uh, edit things when I first got back to the radio station to make it um, so we can do a pregame uh, without uh, missing the kickoff, mm-hmm. uh, having coaches interview. But uh, just that, re- um, you know, kind of sticks out in my mind. A lot of things, you know, I think um, Coach Marino and I traveled the same path as far as mm-hmm. coming to uh, Jackson County and becoming a uh, part of uh, part of the area and, and, and the community. And um, of course, uh, he received legendary status. I'm still working on that. I'm a long way to go before I can do yeah. <laughs> or say anything like that. But uh, I think we're both adopted sons of Jackson County, and uh, I don't think either one of us would change it. When I look at my career as a broadcaster, uh, I know some things I take away. John Rice, my obsession was stats. I get that from him. From you, I think I really take uh, your ability to be positive and keep it about the kids, regardless of what the game situation might be. And I always appreciate you being able to do that and you uh, mentoring me in that way. And and, and I think for your entire career, uh, no one could ever claim otherwise of you. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, uh, I had a philosophy when I when I did the um, the um, the broadcast. Uh, I tried, and and sometimes you can't help it, but I tried not to get on the referees. I, I tried to. My job, I thought, was just to describe the action, paint a picture for the listener, and let them know. Yes, I had my personal opinions, and there are some calls. Uh, one comes to mind automatically: the fifth down call, yeah. nitro football. But uh, yeah, my job, I thought, was to just paint a picture, and, and, and I always admired you and John for what you all did with the stats. I, I, I'm uncoordinated. I couldn't multitask. I never could do stats and, and, and the play-by-play at the same time. So I admire you guys for how you were able to do that. But um, yeah, that was uh, what I thought my main job was to just describe the action and have a lot of exciting moments at that. When you and I talk and, and Rube, or anytime we go anywhere, um, some of our funnest moments are not in-game moments or even preparation for the game moments. They're trips there, they're trips eating, they're trips coming home after the games. Um, how much do you miss that part of the broadcasting? You know, I miss it every time football season rolls around. I think um, – 
That was one of my favorite parts of it, uh, the behind-the-scenes things, uh, the getting ready for the broadcast. The uh, you know People don't realize how much goes into putting a broadcast on the air uh, from start to finish. You hear the finished product. You hear what we want you to hear, but you don't hear what goes on behind the scenes. But, but as you said, a lot of fun before, during, and after the games, a lot of trips. Uh, gosh, we could be here for days trying to recall and recount each and every one of them. But one does come to mind concerning you, and you've never <laughs> let me forget this one. And I think you know where I'm going with I know this. Where this is going. We happened to go to South Charleston. Uh, I don't know what the year was, but we went to South Charleston. Of course, their colors are orange and black. For whatever reason, I had on a bright orange sweatshirt. I think it said Green Hills on it. I'm not sure. But um, you made quick notice of that, and uh, you pointed out, uh, and that's something you've never let me forget, that I wore the opposing team's colors to the broadcast in that game that night. Well, I look back at it now, maybe it was one of those deals that uh, you were so comfortable in your skin being the voice of the Vikings, it didn't matter what color you wore, you were going to do a good job, right? I don't think I ever made that mistake again. After I, it was blue every ball game from that point on, so... So you've done some spot duty uh, when asked. We've you've done everything from uh, play by play, obviously for as long as you did it, to color uh, with me a few times when Jeff was unavailable to be there, to doing sideline for us from time to time. How much do you enjoy just popping back out and doing spot duty like that? You know, I really enjoy no matter what you guys ask me to do for the broadcast. You know, I'm perfectly fine in any role that you all want me to do. I'm perfectly comfortable with the job you guys do. And I just got to say, and maybe I'm biased, I think I've got the best broadcasting crew in the state. Not because you're sitting here, but I listen to you and Jeff, whether it's football, whether it's basketball. You guys just seem to mess. You have that chemistry. You know what you're talking about. And I appreciate everything you do. But on the on the rare occasion when one of you guys can't make it or you need me to fill in, I really enjoy it. And especially, you know, I didn't know how it feels with side. Line um, uh, doing that, but I really, really enjoy doing that. Uh, being down there close to the team and, and down in the action, and just hoping I wouldn't get ran over on the sideline. But yeah, no matter what you guys have asked me to do, it's always, it's always fun, and, and I get a little excited when you know you guys ask me to fill in every now and then. I still, still in my blood. So now we'll say semi-retired. You're still working every day, but you're not on the air uh, much as you used to be. Uh, how much of a uh, a deep breath has that been for you to because i know folks don't know the 4 a.m alarm clock where you were getting out here when you were always doing the morning show in the mornings and all the work that went into that and then in the afternoons you always had to go play golf in the summer so you know it, it made for some long days for you no question you know, a lot of people, and I'm glad you brought that up, a lot of people to this day think uh, that I am retired completely from the radio station. I get it all the time. How are you enjoying retirement? Uh, I am still here on, as you just said, no more 4 o'clock wake-ups. Even though I still get up at 4 o'clock, because after 30-plus years of getting up at 4 o'clock, it doesn't just – you don't sleep into 8, 9 o'clock right. now. Uh, I still get up and sometimes wonder and think, what am I going to do the next four hours before I have to go to work? But I'm still here at the radio station behind the scenes, uh, just basically working on the administrative and uh, sales aspect of it. But um, – uh, you know, I do miss it. Uh, it's, in, it's in my blood. I've done it for so many years, not only here, but a couple of other radio stations, but going on 40 years now. And um, uh, I, I, I miss not being able to communicate with the public in that aspect. But every now, just like uh, with my new morning man, Sean Allen, every now and then he can't make it. So I still, yeah. he calls on me to fill in every now and then. So I still when, get the taste of it. When you look outside of uh, your job here at the at the radio station, you're an avid golfer. You love to golf, as do I wonderful wife and lee who works with you here at the radio station too how comfortable are you right now in your personal side of things 
You know, life is good, Brian. I have been blessed, and I tell people like that. They ask me, how are you doing? And one of my responses always is, I'm blessed. Uh, I have been both personally, both professionally, and, and, and I couldn't ask for, uh, you know, a better path that I, that I have taken. God's been good to me. He's been good to my family, and, and I appreciate everything and everything he does for me, and I appreciate every day to the fullest. Well, let me just say this, Shadow. A lot of people will tell you this, and, and uh, you left big shoes for me to fill, uh, and I appreciate uh, your trust in me. <clears throat> but as far as I'm concerned, when you look at Ripley High School, you've got Coach Marino, you got Coach Harmon, you got Mike Rubin, and you have Rick Shadow Shannon who falls in there in, in that uh, grouping of people. You've been such an icon uh, here in the, in the community uh, w- among Ripley sports and let me just tell you, thank you for what you did for all those years uh, uh, for us teaching. I mean, I, I went back and listened to games I played in, and it meant a lot to me to have that. And, and I appreciate from your different uh, broadcast partners, from John to, to Brad Hunt to uh, just a myriad of different people. And, and from, from the bottom of my heart, Rick, I appreciate what you did here for Ripley. Well, thank you, Brian. That's kind words, and that's uh, well, that's big shoes. Uh, that's that's great company to be included in. I appreciate that, uh, but uh, I couldn't have done it without the help of uh, the Jackson County. As people have welcomed me from day one when I got here, I became part of the crowd, part of the part of the group, uh, so to speak, in the press box and throughout uh, Jackson County and Ripley Sports. So, I do want to thank you and everybody included for allowing me, uh, a Logan boy, to become uh, a Ripley guy. Of course, I've been in Ripley now longer than I was in Logan, so yeah. I almost considered myself more of a Viking. And any of my Logan friends listening right now, I'm sorry, <laughs> but uh, blue's in my blood, So, um, and both of them. So fond memories of both schools. We consider you a Viking, and we're going to keep you. So we, we appreciate what you did, Rick. And thanks for taking the time here this morning to uh, join us on Viking 360. Well, thank you, Ryan. I appreciate it. You've been listening to former Vi- voice of the Viking Athletics, Rick Shadow Shannon, right here on Viking 360. I'll be calling the action of Viking baseball games this spring on C98. Coach Shane Casto offers a preview of what Viking fans can expect from the blue and white. Graduating with the class of 1997, he was a, an athlete at Ripley High as both a football player and as a baseball player and now here he is uh, 20 plus years later as an assistant football coach and and the head baseball coach of the Vikings. Our guest on Viking 360 is coach Shane Casto. Coach thanks for being with us. Hey thanks for having me Rube. That's it's uh this is a a pretty good little deal you guys are doing and it's it's I enjoy listening to them. Well coach at what point in your life did you realize that you wanted to be a Viking football coach or Viking coach? You know, I've, I've been in this town with the exception of the few years I was in college my whole life. Um, you know, a lot of great memories playing football here and a lot of great memories of baseball as well. Um, you know, it's just something I, I realized that the playing days had to come to an end sooner or later. And, you know, in my mind, I wasn't finished being around it yet. So, you know, I wanted to come back. I remember... You know, when I graduated from college, I, that, I, I ended in um, December of 2002, and I went straight to Coach Swisher in 2003. I said, hey, can I, can I help out? Is there anything you need? Can I do? Can I bring something to the table? And he said, absolutely. So it, from then on, you know, I, I, had to, I had to volunteer for the first couple of years, but uh, eventually was able to move into a paid position as an assistant. And then ultimately, eight years later, 
I get the head job to replace the legendary Ray Swisher and fill, try to fill those big shoes, even though I, I don't know that they're fillable. But, um, you know, and, and nine years later, here we are. And you were telling me as a player, as an assistant coach, as a head coach, baseball has been a pretty good chunk of your life. Yeah, I've, uh, I was an assistant baseball coach here for eight years, and now this is my ninth year as the head coach and four years of uh, playing here. So uh, over half my life has, uh, has been dedicated to, to Ripley baseball and Ripley high school baseball. And that's not counting, you know, little leagues and all that stuff too. And I really don't know what I would do without it, to be honest with you. Coach, let's talk a little bit about this year's schedule. I mean, you've never been known as someone who's going to duck people out there. And <laughs> this year is no exception, but uh, I think it's kind of ironic that uh, most teams or all teams want to end their high school season in Charleston and right. that's exactly uh, where you're going to begin your season. Uh, we open up on Saturday down at Capitol. That's right. Um, you know, the, our schedule, I, I learned a lesson. I, I've probably over these eight plus years, you know, going into our, my ninth year, I've learned a lot of what not to do instead of so much what to do. And um, in 2000, I believe it was 14. We had a team uh, full of young players, a lot of sophomores playing. And, you know, so we didn't see everybody's number one or number two pitcher that much that year. Well, we got beat um, in the sectionals by Riverside that year. They had a player named Cam Norris who was, was as tough as they come. Um, but he, you know, he only threw 83, 84 miles an hour, but not seeing that all year, that 83, 90, 84 looked like 93, 94, and we got beat early, and uh, of course our season ended. So, and I promised myself, and I promised those guys that we had that as long as I'm able, they're not going to be unprepared when the postseason rolls around. Now, as far as what we'll see pitching, so I try my best to make it as tough as I can on them. And you know, yeah, every you know you want to win every game, especially if you're keeping score. But, you know, I tell our guys all the time that, you know, we play 32 glorified scrimmages, and, and that's to get us ready for the postseason. You know, we can go 0-32 and still win a state title. You know, so we try to make it as tough as we can. And I think your home opener is indicative of the type of scheduling <laughs> uh, that you like to put together. We take on Cabell Midland at home on Tuesday. Yeah, we, uh, we're, we're coming right out of the gate. Um, you know, like you said, we're, we're going to Charleston, of course, where the state tournament's at, and, and then our home opener's with the biggest school in, in the state. And, you know, fortunately, we, we found out, you know, uh, well, let's see, two days after that, we'll actually get a play at Power Park. Um, I got a call from Bryce Casto, who's the athletic director at South Charleston, and we were supposed to travel there that day and wanted to know if, uh, we wanted to play at Power Park, and I said, well, absolutely. So, um, but, yes, I, I try to make no bones about it. You know, I want these guys challenged every year as, as, and try to make it as tough as we can on them. Coach, uh, let's talk about your assistant coaches. Uh, each of them uh, bring their own identity to the team. So uh, tell me a little about each one of them, beginning with Frankie Cummings. Uh, Frankie, you know, he and I are as, as close of friends as, as they come. Um, you know, we we probably argue and fight like brothers. You know, not to the point of throwing punches anymore, but we're too old to do that stuff. But uh, you know, he he played you know with me. He's a couple years older than me, but we got to play together in high school. Um, you know, he went on to play in college. He went on to play professionally, and you know, there's there's things that he sees that um, 
not very many people around not only this area in Ripley but around the state that you know I wouldn't trade him for anybody um you know and and aside from the the pitching side of it he he knows a lot about hitting too so um you know I I, I'll turn him loose on the hitters too uh, a lot of times and uh you know I hate to use the term that I use him but I I get everything I can out of him and and like I said I wouldn't trade him for anybody you were all stayed here. Frankie was all stayed here, and Gary Bernard, another member of your coaching staff, he was first team all state down at Nitro. He was their first uh, first team all stater, 1975. Um, Coach Bernard, when he he was he was big in the little league for many years, and um, you know the group of, of boys that came through that got to play on ESPN when they were little league, I ran into him, and he said. Coach, whenever they get to you, he's like, do you mind if I come and just keep the scorebook? He's like, and if you let me do anything else, I'd be more than happy. And I said, well, absolutely. So, you know, three or four years down the road, he said, you're still going to keep your promise? I said, absolutely. So, you know, he came on initially and, um, you know, just kind of helped us out here and there when he could with his work schedule and stuff. And and since then, you know, he's we've kind of turned him loose with the JV guys, and he does a great job for us. And, you know, being around it, you know, I – I don't want to say that he's the old guy, but uh, you know, he and my dad are the same age, so it's kind of nice having somebody, you know, with those same values that that my dad taught me from that mid '70s generation, and and the toughness and the uh, the work ethic, and you know, he he's a man of few words, but he's one of those guys when he does speak, you better listen because it's either going to be very serious and and very educational or it's going to be hilarious one of the two and you've had a youth movement uh, on the yeah. squad this year i've noticed that uh, logan mccoy yes. has been around the team and logan uh, had some pitching su success here and went on and played at west virginia yep. wesleyan and it's it's good to see young people getting involved yeah i'm, I'm tickled to death that uh, logan's able to come back and help us this year um Unfortunately, it's only going to be for a year, and then he's going to he's he's going to mortuary school, so he'll be gone for a year, and then hopefully after uh, <clears throat> excuse me after that year is up, he can come back again once he gets his feet settled. But you know, Logan Logan was able to do something for us as a freshman that not many kids could do, and and a lot of what a lot of people don't realize when Logan was in middle school, Logan did not pitch one inning the, the entire three years he was there, and as a freshman. We started him game one in the sectionals as a 14-year-old little boy, and he takes a no-hitter into the seventh. And, you know, he, he had a great career for us. Um, he kind of had a little bit of a situation with his arm there later in his career, and it was unfortunate, and I felt so sorry for him, and to this day feel so sorry for him because he, um, he was a kid that maybe more so than anybody that we've ever, in my time here, has been more bought in than, than Logan McCoy was. And, and for him to be... A young guy, you know, to the point that, you know, he was a senior when these seniors were freshmen. And uh, so they, he's a guy they can kind of go to and when they think that we're really chewing their hind end and we hate him and, you know, he can kind of be that liaison between us that, uh, you know, listen, guys, they're, they're you know, good intentions. And, and he remembers what it was like. It wasn't that long ago. So it, it's he's very valuable to us as well. One way that you can gauge uh, a program is by the – players that go on to the next level and I know that uh, you know, senior Tyler Haskins he's already uh, signed with Fairmont State and senior Dane Peterson has already signed with West Virginia State but you were telling me that's only the tip of the iceberg <laughs> in terms of the college players that you had go through your program. We uh, not counting Tyler and Dane um, we have six guys currently that played for us that are playing now in college 
and Tyler and Dane since since we've been here, and, and I like to say we a lot. You know, I I have the title of head coach, but you know my assistants are they do as much or more than I do, and and, and we're all kind of in this thing together. And uh, but but since we've been here, um, Tyler and Dane will make number seventeen and eighteen in the last eight plus years to to move on and play. And you know I'm really I'm really proud of that. You know that what that does for guys behind them and later on, you know, when they go and they have some success and, and that kind of gets that pipeline started that, you know, Sean Lloyd at West Virginia State knows, hey, I've got an alumni in Frankie Cummings helping Ripley. We've got Christopher Jordan playing there now. We've got Dane Peterson coming. So, you know, knowing that they can come here and if they need something, they're generally going to get a quality player. And, you know, of those 18 uh there's only one that, that has gotten a full scholarship, but at the same time, those, those 17 others, there's been a financial burden lifted off of them or their parents or whoever's, whoever's funding college for them. And, you know, whether it's $2,000 or $10,000 or whatever, it's, it's lifting that, that financial burden, and, and it's expensive, and you know, we're really, really happy about that and, and to say that, that we can send guys on and, and they go and they do well and they have a lot of success. And, and it speaks a lot about Ripley baseball and, and the past players that have gone through here that have been great and went on. Coach, thank you so much uh, for spending some time with us and, uh, and good luck this season with Viking baseball. Appreciate it, Rube. Thank you for all you do. Bev Chateau is in her first year as principal at Ripley High. The school installed new turf on Memorial Stadium this fall, a new court was installed in the gym, and improvements are planned this summer on the six-lane track. Bev is going to talk about the relationship between athletics and academics, and she mentions the four new tennis courts installed at Ripley City Park. Welcome back inside Viking 360. I'm joined now by newly minted principal at Ripley High School, Bev Chateau. Bev, thanks for the time. Thank you for coming by. So you were one of my favorite teachers, as I've told you in the past, had you here at Ripley High School as a freshman, um, and I appreciate the job that you did, and, and I remember, I don't remember the specifics of the classes and everything, but you left an, an impact on my life, and I, and I know that's what you're trying to do now here uh, for the students at Ripley High School. I think that's what every teacher hopes that they do for students, and at some point it's nice when they come back and tell you that you um, sometimes need that along the way, but it's always always good to hear and always good to know that along with content, you make those relationships with students that have a lasting impact. You have uh, been dealt a tough hand here at Ripley High School since you took the job over, uh, starting with the football field setback and then the basketball court and just so probably a lot of things that the public doesn't know about that you've had to deal with. How trying has it been for you uh, from that aspect? Well, I think if I worked in a lot of in a different place other than Ripley or in Jackson County Schools, it would have been much more difficult. But we've had great cooperation from the Board of Education, Dr. Burdett, Mr. Hess, everyone there has been very supportive, helping walk us through those situations. Had um, the great dedication of Mr. Lowe, who practically lived at our football field during that trying time. Um, people who came in over the weekend on Labor Day when our gym floor was damaged. So, you know, along with the support of everyone, it has made that part of this year much. Um, much easier and much more successful. Now, I know first and foremost, when you talk about uh, any kind of school, academics has to be first, but this is a sports show. We're going to talk about sports first. It, this has been a great sporting uh, year 
calendar year for for Ripley High School. You go to football, you basketball, both boys and girls teams did really well. Uh, you obviously have a tremendous track program here at Ripley High School. Volleyball did well. We know what softball and uh, baseball and soccer, boys and girls, all uh, had uh, tremendous uh, seasons. What does that do for the morale of the school whenever you have that type of uh, output on the uh, athletic field? I think it just lifts the spirits of everyone. And I think a lot of that uh, success has risen from adversity. They've had to deal with the complications of the football field. We had a crazy practice schedule in the fall for everyone, and everyone had to give up things um, in order to for the, the program overall to work. And I think it just shows what kind of kids we have. It shows what kind of coaches we have, and it shows the tremendous support that the community gives to us. All of those things help lift the school when they're going through trying times. And once again, everyone has risen to that challenge. We did a feature last week, Arub did, on the robotics team. Back-to-back state champions. Um, explain that. I know they're not a SSAC-affiliated sport, I guess you would say. But talk about, is it more of a club-type thing, or how, how does robotics work? Well, robotics is a class here at Ripley High School. Mrs. Lowe is the teacher. She also sponsors that team when they go to competition. So it is a relatively new couple-year program. Um, we were pleased as punch last year to win that state championship the first time they had competed and to to have a, a back-to-back wins there, go back to the world competition in Louisville. Um, it's just an amazing start to that program and shows a lot of the dedication of those students because they – they really wanted it. They wanted the class, so we, we worked that out. They wanted the, the um, not the facilities, but the equipment that they needed. But a lot of it is just based on the drive of those individual students um, in that class, some of whom will be going on to compete in robot, uh, robotics when they get to the college level. So um, it's a great thing when you can start something new. Things uh, The SSAC programs are wonderful. We work hard to support all of those as well. But robotics and archery and things that are not have brought so much success and um, had a niche for students who have other talents and other skill sets that aren't part of that SSAC program. Now, when I broadcast games and Jeff and I and Rube, we follow these kids around the state of West Virginia, we're always struck by how nice our kids are. And, and again, we get them in a small sample size. You get them in a much larger sample size than we do. But what we see from a distance is very pleasing when you think about being an alum uh, and, and how our kids represent Ripley High School. Is that a fair assessment? I think it's absolutely a fair assessment. We are blessed with kids that do the right thing, that know that they're representing a team. It's not about me. It's not about them as an individual, but it's about the sport. We also have coaches that instill that. We have parents that instill that. And I'm Again, it's one of those things that I think makes my job easier being at a school like Ripley as opposed to lots of other places. Now you took over for a former principal, now uh, superintendent of Wood County Schools, Will Hosfluke, a friend of mine. I know a friend of yours. I know you think very highly of him. Uh, Will did a tremendous job uh, from an academic standpoint, and uh, I understand you're doing – uh, just as good a job as he was doing, and I know you want to try to maybe take it to the next level. You, we talk about the scholarships and the the test scores that this school uh, gets on an annual basis. Where are we at now uh, from a, a uh, I guess ranking statement or a ranking uh, would be across the state of West Virginia in academics. 
Well, we were um, recognized last year by U.S. News and World Report as being the number eight ranked high school in the state of West Virginia. What an honor that was. Um, we proudly hang that banner uh, in our entryway to the main lobby. Um, we are also, we're also received an award from the State Department of Education in terms of our graduation rate, and we're recognized for achieving our prescribed um, level with English and language arts again by the State Department of Education. So it's it's been a great year. We continue to look forward to changes to programs, to schedules. A, a, our AP program will be undergoing some revamping uh, based on what the college board is doing with that. So it's always an opportunity for growth when those things are happening. How challenging is it when you have a, a change uh, at the top, such as you coming in as a principal? You not only have the students that you're um, responsible for, but also the teachers. How big of a change has that been to coming from Mr. Hosfluke over to you for all of the people included? Well, I'm sure, you know, you have lots of change when it's uh, younger versus veteran, <laughs> male versus female, you know, that uh, I will never be able to match his energy level. I do uh, hope that uh, staff and students alike recognize that I, uh, I pour a lot of energy into the job. I will continue to do that. Um, but I think it was an advantage for me. They have known me. I have worked here for so long. So good, bad, or indifferent, they knew what they were getting. Um, they were very supportive of the transition. None of us, of course, would have chosen to see him uh, transition on, but we wish him well in his professional career, and I'm sure that he'll have a great one. So, um, you know, I think that I have been well-received, and with other things that are being on, I could not have asked for more support than I've received this year. How would you describe your leadership style? Um, I think my leadership style I would describe as being one that allows professionals to do their job. Uh, I try to lead by example. I try to suggest things that I think will make things better, not only for students, which is my first priority, but for staff, because it's the same thing with students. If, if they are unhappy in something about their position, then they are less likely to do a, a stellar job for students. So I think that they see that I am have an open door policy, that I am um, one that will listen to, won't always agree with what they have to say, but I think that's that's the situation with anyone. But I do feel like they, I am approachable. They know that. They know that we're taking feedback from them on a constant basis and trying to act on that feedback. I had the pleasure of, of working with your son, Ryan, when he was a kicker here at Ripley High School and um, really grew to know him a little bit. What a great young man he is. I know you're very proud of him. You have another daughter as well, Aaron correct um and am i leaving anyone out yes i have two older children morgan and justin that graduated also from ripley high school have gone on to careers and do not live in ripley anymore but still call ripley home would you call that your uh, first opportunity at leadership being a mother i think so being a mother being a teacher being a coach um you know, participating a lot. When I was a kid in school, I was and everything coming and going. I drove my parents crazy, you know, driving to tennis matches and basketball games and, and band competitions and all those sorts of things. So I think leadership comes from from parents, from church, from other organizations. I, I've had a lot, I've had an opportunity to work with a lot of great coaches, a lot of great teachers, a lot of great mentors professionally uh, in the job.
jobs that I've had. So I think all of those things kind of mold you into that, plus your personal experiences. I had a great experience as an exchange student when I was in high school. I think it gave me a broader perspective. I understood how important it was to represent the place that I called home mm-hmm. as um, not being well received as an American student when I was overseas. Uh, and so I, I tried to rise to that challenge and prove to people that you can do anything regardless of where you come from, even a small, I mean, I came from Nitro. Nitro was not a huge community either, but that whether you're from West Virginia or New York or California, wherever you're from, you can accomplish what you want if you're willing to work for it. I just learned when I got in here that you were a Nitro Wildcat. I didn't know that. You mentioned it now. Uh, And I talked to Shadow Shannon as well, who is from Logan. He's on this podcast. How when do you identify yourself as a Viking? I mean, I know you still have to have some of that Nitro Wildcat blood flowing through you a little bit, but you've been here and been a Viking and been a part of this program for so, some time now. Where Where's the cutoff line? I always think that's interesting. Oh, I think because my kids have all graduated from this school and I've been here for so long, um, I'm pretty sure if you cut me now, I'd probably bleed a little blue. Um, But you don't forget your roots. You don't forget the people who taught you some really valuable lessons. Um, I wasn't, as the athlete, I wasn't ever the starter or the best player on the team, but I learned a lot from the concept of being a team member and the importance that that can play and the importance that every individual plays in a larger organization. I think a lot of those things have helped me as I have gone through life and have learned some some important lessons. But um, I can't think of another place that I would rather call home than Ripley High School. Now, you're an avid tennis player. Um, tell us a little bit about – they got new courts over there. Tell us a little bit about Ripley's tennis team. Well, you know, our, our team has um, – long had a struggle with not having the facilities that some other sports or other teams have had. Having a lack of access to inside court time, all of those things are disadvantages. So our students who decide to play tennis really want to play because they want to play tennis. You know, um, that We finally have the opportunity with the new tennis courts to bring other schools in, to make sure that we have a safe and inviting environment and facility for our tennis team. We have a couple of things that still need to be finished over at the courts. One more layer of finish, a little a little bit of work on, on the um, fencing around the outside. But we hope that um, with those new courts that our, our program will grow, more students will be interested, and we'll be able to um, to expand that team just a little more in the years that come ahead. Well, Bev, thanks so much for taking the time. Um, I know you've been through a lot uh, personally and uh, professionally this year, and you've been in the prayers of the Viking Nation. And we appreciate what you do here at Ripley High School, and we wish you nothing but the luck. Best of luck going forward. We know you have big plans here. Thank you very much. Appreciate you've been listening to Ripley Principal Bev Chateau on Viking 360. That's a wrap on episode 17 of Viking 360. And remember, if you like what you listen to, make sure you turn on your notifications and hit that subscribe button. Until next time, we'll see you around.